its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Now as we read these words, we'll get into the context of that here in a moment. But as we think about our lives and the places that we trust or the moments that we've stepped into and we weren't sure of what was taking place, I think of church. I think of what is it, the first impressions that that somebody gets when they walk through the doors. Whether it's through the doors of the church, whether it's through the doors of a small group, what is the atmosphere? Who are the people there? As a young man who was uh, really seeking what this whole Jesus thing was about, I remember going to my very first college Bible study. A bunch of Limar kids from Marion and, and the surrounding area. I had no idea who any of them were. I was invited. And I remember walking down the stairs I was like, who are these people? And I remember sitting there, I was like, man, these are not the people I would have hung out with in high school. And there was one specific individual that as he was talking about all this Jesus stuff, I was like, I don't understand what he's saying. And this is a person I probably would have gotten in a fight with in high school. This is not for me. I was was very uncomfortable, very weird. It's like they're talking about all this Jesus stuff and trusting the Lord and and all these different things. And I walked away, and I'll be honest with you, I was like, man, I don't know if this church or Jesus thing is for me. But I went back again and again and again. I was like, all right, I'm at least going to give it three tries. And as I sat there and, and, and got to know these people, and as they opened up the word to me, they challenged me that in the time of not meeting with them to read my Bible. And that's something I'd never done before. And so I read my Bible in the midst of reading that. God began through his Holy Spirit to reveal to me. Reveal to me the truth of my life. Reveal to me the truth of the gospel. And you know, that person I wanted to fight, we ended up being in each other's weddings. We're really good friends. We love each other. But as, as I grew into understanding the law and understanding the gospel, things began to click. And sometimes when we're in environments, sometimes when we come into church, we have this over here and this over here, and, it, and it, we have all these puzzle pieces And it's hard to put them all together. And especially here this morning in Jeremiah 17, as we read these words, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Why is Jeremiah saying this? He's speaking to Judah. He's speaking to this tribe of Israel. There's 12 tribes, and and they're one of the tribes who uh, initially had their faith in the Lord, but comes a time where they turn away from God and start trusting in themselves. And just before our scripture this morning, we read this in in verses 5 and 6. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes, and they will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Now that's a pretty harsh contrast 
going from someone that's going to be abandoned or living in a desert to blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. They're like a tree that's planted by a stream. It's very black and white. And it's an indicator as Jeremiah is speaking to this tribe. Trust in the Lord. Now they were going to different places and they were going through changes as people. And along the way, they began to lose or be distracted with where their trust belongs. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And I love the Amplified Translation as it says, Blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts and relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confident expectation is in the Lord. There's no two ways about it, you guys. We either think of ourselves, trust in ourselves, our own ability, or we trust in the Lord who has given us that ability and the life in which we have. John Wesley gave a great example to help us see how trust takes root in our lives. And this is something that opened my eyes. I felt like Shrek in that moment where he's like, I'm like an onion, you gotta peel the layers back. Because trusting in God is a gradual process. We might be put into moments or situations where we're uncomfortable. We don't like the people that we're around or we're not understanding the language that they're speaking. We, we might be in a small group. We might be in a context. We might be in the community or you might even sit next to somebody in the bleachers at a sporting event that you're like, I don't want to sit next to them. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to move in and through us, to peel back those layers, for us to listen, for us to hear those walls start to break down and we move into these places of trust. As trust is a gradual process for each of us. There is no one and done moment. There's no, hey, I believe in Jesus, I trust him with all my heart, and that's it. Each and every day is a perpetual step in learning how to trust and live your life for the Lord. Each and every day. Now these steps come through God prompting us through his Holy Spirit. And I, I, I want to do two things here. I'm going to pose us with a, a quote here from Donald Blesch. This is a theological quote. And then we're going to go into John Wesley's imagery here. Okay. Now this quote here from Donald Blesch. The conviction of sin is the result of not the law alone. So he's talking about the law of the Bible, the commandments but the law, the commandments, joined with the gospel. Indeed, one cannot fully truly repent of sin until one is awakened to the depth of Christ's love revealed in his suffering and death at Calvary. Both law and gospel are a means of the redemptive grace of God by which he both convicts people of sin and awakens them to faith in Jesus Christ. This same redemptive grace creates within one a desire for salvation so that one is prompted to seek for the mercy of Christ. This seeking is conditional on the divine calling, as we read in Psalm 27, verse 8. Since a natural man in and of himself cannot seek of God or for God, as we read in Romans 3 and Psalm 14 and 53, the person who seeks for salvation is on the way to conversion. But he is not truly converted until he, his seeking is culminated in the repentance and faith. 
and faith itself is not fulfilled apart from the obedience to the commandment of Christ, as we read in 1 Peter. Now let me break that down a little bit. We can't just say we have a faith in God without the obedience and trust in God. It's a gradual process. There is a, a maturing of life for us. John Wesley uses this kind of imagery, and I find this helpful. He talks about our lives and, and coming to understand what the law, what the, what the commandments are about, and understanding the gospel. And, and by the way, you only understand those is if you open the Bible and you're in it. And that's the hard thing, and I, I really struggled with that because people were telling me all this stuff, and I was like, man, I don't get it. But I had to take this step and get in the Word, and that's what each of us has to do on a daily basis. We have to get in the Word. We have to open that up. So John Wesley is saying, for you and I as, as humans, we have this imagery of a, a little acreage. And this beautiful home has a, a gate on the front of the yard and, and this white picket fence. And he says, each of us in the moments of our lives come to the front gate of that yard. We're curious. We're wondering what's on the other side. He says that this moment of coming to the gate of this property is a moment for somebody to understand that they're broken, they're sinful, that there's more to life. Because as we stand at the gate, we're here, but we're wondering, hey, it looks like there's more over there. So when we're at that gate, it's the moment of the word convicting our lives, helping us realize that we're broken, helping us realize that we need the grace of God in our lives. Scripture describes that state of life as living in our own desires and giving in to temptations. I and you and every single person we ever meet are going to come to the moments of life where they're wondering, is there more? Is there more than just what meets the eye? And as we spend time in the Word and we realize that we are broken and sinful. That's not a, a point of Scripture to just put us in a depressed state and leave us there. At the moment of us realizing our sin and brokenness is the moment of the Holy Spirit bringing in and giving us grace. And John Wesley called this prevenient grace. This is a, a grace that all of us receive once we walk through this front gate. You come to that understanding of your brokenness and sin. You open that gate and you move forward to the front porch of the house. You come to that front porch. It's a moment of realizing that we are dead in our trespasses without Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He's the sacrificial atonement. He's the vicarious death on our behalf. Grace has not left that person when they opened that gate, but now as they stand on that porch, they grow to a deeper understanding and a deeper trust and a deeper belief because they've come to a conclusion that Jesus died for their sins. And we call that word justified. We're set right before God. 
Jesus is the lens by which God views us. His sacrifice, his love penetrates as God's grace grows deeper and true trust continues to grow. Now, once we've walked through that front front gate, experiencing God's grace as we've been convicted of our sin and begin to explore the gospel and we get onto that front porch and we realize that Jesus has died for our sins, that he has justified us. Come to the point of opening the front door of the house. You open that front door. John Wesley called that as an entering into a big fancy word called sanctification, which simply means this. As you enter into that house, as you taking the step to every day live your life to grow to be more like Christ. Sanctification, becoming more Christ-like. Now, why does John Wesley use this imagery for us to try to help unpack and explain things? What's well, a simple, simple reason? All throughout the Gospels, and especially in the Gospel of John, Jesus speaks to us of a home. Jesus speaks to us and tells us that he is preparing rooms for you and I. We read that in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And then we read in Revelation chapter 21, the moment in which we are in the eternal presence of God. There's no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow. For God will be with his children and his children will be with him. We are invited each and every day to come into this loving relationship with God, to place our whole trust in him and him alone. It's also important for us to note that each and every day that we're growing to be more Christ-like is a day that we have to recharge our batteries, and they use a big word called regeneration. Every word, every action, every moment of our lives is to bring us into a step closer to be like Jesus. It's a daily process of carrying our cross, of laying our lives down, of taking what suffering might come in the midst of life, and acknowledging that any earthly defeat here is nothing compared to the heavenly victory that is to come. I want to read these final verses to you. Proverbs 3, five says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Isaiah 26.4, trust in the Lord forever for the Lord, the Lord himself is rock eternal. But I want to end with the words of Jesus. He speaks to us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? 
And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You and I are invited into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, you and I are called in a trusting relationship that no matter what we may face, no matter what might be on our table or our shoulders, we're not called to worry, but to trust. I don't know where you are in your life right here in this moment, in this room, but I pray. I pray the Holy Spirit would help you each and every single day place more trust and more trust and more trust in the Lord. That no matter what comes, you stand firm in knowing the one who has saved you, who sustains you, and who will see you through. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, We thank you for your word. Thank you for the way in which you revealed to us the aspects of life, of where we are and where you are. And Lord, how you come to us through your son Jesus Christ and your Holy Spirit, Lord, how you offer us this relationship, a relationship of trust and faith love and obedience so God we pray right now that it would take root in our lives that our trust would grow we pray this in Jesus name Amen